0: You are listening to the weekend edition of Marginalia, the podcast of New City Presbyterian Church in Cincinnati, where the pastors and the staff discuss some of the scribbles in the margin, so to speak, uh, both of our life together as a church, some of the teaching uh, of our church as well. It is the weekend of May 10th and 11th, week nine of quarantine here in Cincinnati. Um, Hopefully if you are connected to uh, our new city community, last weekend you were able to check out our new format, new format, excuse me, for our live stream uh, worship services over the weekend, which you can get at our website uh, as well as uh, stream to Facebook Live and to YouTube Live as well. This weekend, uh, Pastor Mike is going to be talking about uh, healing for the ashamed. Great story from John chapter 21. Uh, we're in the series called Words of Resurrection, where we're looking at uh, the words of Jesus after uh, the resurrection and, and before his ascension. And uh, this week we're, we're looking at the restoration of Peter uh, that happens there. And uh, I'm joined today uh, on our podcast uh, with uh, one of our assistant pastors, our chief musician, uh, Brian Ferry. Brian, how you doing? Hey, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Glad to be on this week. Nine weeks of quarantine. Any uh, anything new for you this week versus uh, weeks in the past? Man, uh, is this the first week? Is it week 100? It's hard to hard to say. You you're always saying, what day is it? October? Is that? (laughs) Losing track of time. Uh, And then today, uh, in addition to Brian, we have a special guest uh, on our show coming to us from nine and a half hours in the future. uh, Anand Mahadevan, pastor of New City Church in Mumbai. Anand, how are you doing?
1: Doing all right, as well as one can do, given the circumstances all over the world.
0: Yeah, we're gonna, I'm going to ask you about that in, uh, in a moment, but it is great uh, to get a chance to talk to you. Now, you do have to explain something to me, because I, I looked up the time zone uh, that you're calling us from. Nine, are, am I right? Are you nine and a half hours ahead of us? What, what's, what's the half? I, I don't, I don't that, understand that. That's
1: correct. It's, it's 7.30 here, 7.30 in the evening, 7.30 p.m.,
0: and what's I guess
1: it, it's 10 a.m. for you.
0: Does, yeah, does everybody, I mean, is, are there many time zones that are on the half hour? I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever acknowledged that I before.
1: Th- I, I think there are a few.
0: Okay, it's all right. Not all
1: of them are exactly on the hour.
0: So you are in Mumbai, uh, one of the larger cities in the world. Uh, what's the population uh, in Mumbai? Only 23 million people. <laughs> only <laughs> only so which would immediately uh make you the largest city in the united states i believe or, or pretty close to it pretty close to uh i think that would be even bigger than new york city if i if i'm if i'm right yeah, i or think that's to... right yeah, yeah I,
1: I know it's about eight times the size of cincinnati oh three, yeah three million three million is, is if i'm right i'm not
0: that's correct. The metro area, if you expand it's, it's, out.
1: You know? yeah. Yeah, sure.
0: So it, Although we are it's often called the Mumbai of Southwest Ohio. <laughs> that's yeah, not true. That's, have uh, we ever been called that? I, just now, I think. Um, but, it has but, been said. Uh, Anand, you have several connections uh, to Cincinnati and, and have been here before. Maybe you could just share a little bit about that. I'd love to hear, you know, how did, how did, how did you come to visit Cincinnati and, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. My wife and I, we've been there a couple of times. It's a beautiful city. And, um, one of our, uh, really, really dear friends, um, lives in Cincinnati. Some of you, some people at, uh, New City might know him. Uh, uh Ryan Berg is uh, the founder of Aruna Projects and, um, my wife uh, serves as a counselor. She helps uh, traffic women who've been uh, rescued. And uh, as soon as they are kind of brought into a safe home, uh, my wife is one of the first uh, uh, people they would meet. And she helps them with post-traumatic counseling. So her work kind of brought her in contact with Ryan Bulk, who's the founder of Aruna Project. Uh, they're based in Cincinnati. And uh, we've been working very closely together for about, uh, uh, yeah, for five, six years now. And uh, as a church, New City in Mumbai, uh, partners with the Aruna Project, we have a lot of people actually going there and serving, uh, praying, giving financially. In fact, in the lockdown, uh, when uh, a lot of the um, sex workers in, in, the, in the red light district were kind of um, going without food, uh, as a church, we were able to kind of raise and uh, help about 160 women, in the red light district with, um, uh, food packets, provision packets for about a month. So, so we kind of partner very closely, uh, with the Aruna project.
0: Yeah, that's great. So Aruna is one of the several connections, um, yes. you know, that we seem to have, uh, with each other. Um, one, another would be the, uh, Redeemer city to city network, um, which we yes. know that you're connected to. Um, yes. also China partnership, um, which, uh, the last time you and I saw each other uh, was just a few months ago. Feels like a world apart, but uh, but a reminder of the um, the global nature uh, of the church. Because we had a great breakfast together. Uh, church planners from India and Cincinnati yes. together in Malaysia uh, over a breakfast at a conference with almost four thousand Chinese uh, people together. So it was a really. Wonderful chance uh, to get together. And then, of course, um, New City in Cincinnati has had an interest in India in a number of different ways There our connection to um, uh, it's a partners, India, and, uh, and Brian uh, is on the call here with us now, has has been a couple of times there. Uh, just before we get into kind of the meat of things, just to get to know you a little yeah. bit, Anon, t- tell us uh, just uh, briefly about your, your family. Your, you mentioned your wife a moment ago. Um, yeah. You've got children as well
1: yeah we've been married uh, twenty years um, We have two teenage children uh, seventeen and fourteen uh, Varun is our uh, elder son and uh, our daughter's is uh, she's uh, she's fourteen and uh it, 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 these india's now on the forty second day i think of the lockdown and uh we've really had a lot of time together uh hanging out uh it's It's generally not easy to get too much to get to spend too much time with teens; yeah, they're already always busy on, on the things but we've had a lot of time together and so yeah enjoying them
0: that's great have you discovered any sort of new hobbies uh during the the period of lockdown
1: uh, i haven't discovered new hobbies but i'm i'm really missing something that i really enjoy doing which is i, I love playing squash racquetball and uh and everything sharp so that's something i'm missing um yeah, not not too many uh, new things. It, it's been a pretty busy time. Uh, uh, I, I would say a lot more busier than even before. Uh, strangely, but yeah, that's that, and uh, I'm grateful for that.
0: Yeah, pastoring a, a church in the middle of uh, a quarantine and uh, a pandemic ends up being different work, but uh, but not any less work. That's for sure.
1: Uh, it is, yeah.
0: So uh, on the on the hobbies thing, so you mentioned squash, which is yes, uh, which is great. So you'll be you'll be excited when the squash courts uh, open up again. I'm
1: look, absolutely, I'm looking forward to that.
0: Any favorite um, television shows? Not not just now, but like in general. Um, I'd love to hear what you are I
1: I don't watch too much television. Uh, I know Netflix is hugely popular in India, uh, hugely popular. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't watch uh, too much, too much, too much TV.
0: Are you more of a books guy? Uh, a little bit. And you're. No, you're I, I we'll talk about it in a moment. But you're uh, you're an author uh, as well. Written well, one book out and another on the way. Am I right?
1: That's correct. Some time away, uh, but it's it's kind of pretty much um, the, the first script is kind of ready. But I'm going to wait a little bit. Uh, for the timing of it.
0: It's not, not, uh, so a, not a great maybe. time for a book release, is it?
1: I know. It's not. <laughs> it, is, it is not, yeah. But I enjoyed well, uh, both, both, the, both the books. Writing both the books, yeah.
0: Well, to get things um, started, Anand, I'd love to hear, and, and I think it'd be a great encouragement to us all, just how did, uh, and, and I know you could probably go a lot of different directions uh, with this, but I'd love just to know at least at a basic level, the story of how you came to, to know the Lord, because I know it is a uh, l- yeah. a bit of a later in life conversion. And I, I would love to, I'd love you to share that with us if you don't mind. Yeah, I'm
1: very happy to. Um, I was born and raised in a Hindu Brahmin family. And uh, Brahmins are uh, the priestly class in the Hindu religion. Um, you, you, you would call, you could call that the, the upper caste. That's where the caste from the priests come from. And, um, uh, India is is predominantly an Indian nation. Uh, I think less than 3% of the 1.3 billion people are Christians. And um, even though I grew up as a a, a Brahmin, my uh, grandfather was a priest in a temple. And so very early in my life, I was uh, trained in the Vedas. I was was taught the Vedas. I learned them by heart and all of that. Um, But I I just couldn't connect with with, uh, the religion of my parents at all. Uh, on on several counts, you know, I just couldn't relate to idols and uh, the caste system kind of uh, just, just, uh, I couldn't accept that at all. You know, how could, how could two human beings uh, both created by God be different? And I couldn't accept that at all. So I kind of grew up an atheist uh, right from early childhood uh, till, in, till uh, pretty much through my teens, uh, I was kind of an atheist. And then um, when I was in my second year of college, I was in, I think, around 19 then. A friend of mine who just um, um, discovered Christ, um, uh, he, he invited me to his home to pray. And um, I, 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 was, I said, yes, I went along with him. You know, one thing about Indians is we generally don't say no. Uh, you know, it's considered <laughs> impolite <laughs> to say no. And, and uh, so I went along. He's a friend. I would play cricket with him. Cricket is, is a sport like baseball. And uh, I went because he invited, and I thought it was it would be rude to say no. And uh, he and his sister prayed for me. It was a very simple prayer, Um, you know. God bless him, bless his family, bless his studies, help him to graduate. Um, And uh, and and they 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 prayed for me. I I don't think they really shared the gospel. Uh, They they didn't really uh, tell me anything about Jesus, Uh, but they prayed uh, in the name of Jesus and. uh, when they finished praying, it's something that I still cannot rationally explain. Uh, when they finished praying, I just knew in my heart I had to follow this Jesus all my life. Uh, at that point in time, I don't think I understood the gospel. I don't think I understood I was a sinner. Uh, I, I, I needed a savior. I don't, I, I don't think I grasped all of that at that point in time. But I knew in my heart that, that, um, that Jesus was, was God. And, uh, and I, I just, I think maybe it was just the prayer, which was, uh, it was, it was like a very authentic conversation. Maybe it was that. And I felt that I could, I could relate with God. And I, I, I kind of, I found I could believe that Jesus was God uh, when I couldn't believe uh, in any other gods that my uh, parents used to worship. So I, I cannot explain it in any other way that, except that it was the, the sovereign work of God's Holy Spirit a uh, faith in my heart, and, you know, the next few weeks. And once I, I, I began to understand the gospel, growing in it. And uh, this was uh, yeah, almost 25 years ago. And uh, yeah, so grateful that God reached out to me and uh, gave me faith.
0: That's amazing. I, uh, it reminds me a bit. I was, I had a conversation not too long ago with a friend of mine, comes from a Muslim background, he's, he's here in the States, but from, from Pakistan originally, Muslim, and uh, he, he he isn't quite sure exactly where he's at yet, but it, part, of, part of your story made me think of him because he described himself as someone who, he identified with the disciples in the early years of Jesus' ministry, where they didn't quite understand everything yet, but they knew they wanted to follow him. There was something compelling uh, about Jesus and that's that's sort of what, what it sounded like uh, you were describing there absolutely that's
1: a great way to describe it thank you yeah that's exactly how I felt
0: so um, before we get to your pastoral ministry for a second so you, so you have this conversion how old were you uh, at this time again 19 19 Um, it's not like you uh, decided ministry was for you. You had a whole nother career. Uh, Can you you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So
1: I've been working as a business journalist uh, for about 25 years. Uh, In fact, I just transitioned out of business journalism. And uh, uh, my last job was with a newspaper called the Economic Times. That's like the Wall Street Journal. Uh, uh, In India, sells about um, 700,000 copies every day. Pretty much every businesswoman, every businessman, every CEO uh, wakes up to, to the paper, uh, India's largest selling business daily. Uh, so I was in a leadership role with them for about 10 years um, and uh, spent a few years editing uh, a business magazine before that. And so I've spent 25 years in uh, business journalism. And uh, uh, in looking back, I, I, I can see how God was kind of um, using all of that and, and how. God was just weaving a beautiful uh, story for uh, his kingdom through all of that.
0: So I, at some point, I remember because I, I had you had sent it to me and I, I had read it, you had written, while you're still working as a business journalist, yeah. an account of your conversion yeah. that uh, you had a, a pretty uh, profound impact. A lot of people read. Yeah. Uh, and how did you get to the point where you wanted to share your story like that? And then what was the... How did that play out? And then, maybe if you can even turn the corner a little bit, how did how did, take us to the decision to plant this church in Mumbai? Sure, sure, sure.
1: Let me try and answer the, uh, the first question first. Um, um, so, about um, 12, 13 years ago, there was a fairly big persecution that broke out in India, especially uh, among uh, uh, Christians who were low caste tribals uh It was in a in a district called kandamal in um, in india and uh and uh, it it became a national debate uh, There was a huge debate raging in the country and conversions and 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 the and the popular narrative was that um you had a lot of people from the west coming in and uh and uh, either bribing poor uneducated low caste people to become Christians or conning them to become Christians. And that, that wasn't entirely true. That wasn't true at all. You know, maybe one or two rare exceptions, not true at all. But that was the popular narrative. And I had been kind of, I had just become the editor of a business magazine at that point in time. And uh, I was kind of um, uh, concerned about it. Uh, and I, I, I really wished there was an opportunity to kind of, uh, uh, you know, present uh, a, a, a more balanced view contribu- uh, to that. And then uh, I got, uh, there was the editor of another magazine called Outlook. That's kind of like uh, Time on Newsweek in, in the U.S. And uh, so I had a long conversation with this with editor. And uh, I told him, I'm a convert. Did you know that I was a convert? And he was kind of shocked because he was a Brahmin like myself from the upper caste. And uh, in his mind, uh, the paradigm that an upper caste, well-educated, successful in his career person would become a Christian did not exist because... He was also kind of, um, he had also kind of bought into this, this, this notion that only poor people, uneducated people, uh, uh, you know, become, become Christians. And and so, so he, he invited me to write a column. He he asked me if I would share uh, my experience of becoming a follower of Jesus. And I said, I would absolutely, I would be very happy to do that. And so I basically wrote a column and I said, uh, I'm not poor. I'm not uneducated. I'm not low caste. uh, I'm intelligent. to be successful in my career. Uh, I come from a Brahmin family and I'm a follower of Jesus. And uh, I went on to, uh, um, you know, so that that really was the essence of the article that, and it, and it went viral. I mean, I, I, uh, I did not imagine uh, how how many people would, would read that, you know, and uh, so it's still there on the website. And there were like, I think 5,000 comments, um, uh, 4,900 were highly critical uh you know uh, you know so so they weren't happy with what i was doing but but god used that i mean god used um uh god um brought me to that position as a business journalist and and that itself was part of his calling on my life just business journalism was part of his calling on my life but he also used me in his uh, uh story of redemption and uh, he kind of um uh, that 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 column I wrote was completely God's doing, I and mean, it, it just went completely viral. So so that's the story of of that. Uh, uh, column. Yeah. Did that
0: in some way uh, give you the a sense of confidence, or, or, or perhaps begin to pique in your interest that maybe maybe God was calling you uh, with the uniqueness of your story, but also the experiences you'd had, not just the the situation you found yourself in with uh, the people that you knew, but also your ability and the training you've had to communicate, did that contribute to your sense of call to ministry?
1: Yeah, it did. But the sense of calling was actually developing much before that. Uh, The sense of calling was kind of developing pretty much all through my business career in business journalism, Um, simply because, you know, from pretty much the first six months on the job. I would begin meeting a lot of directors, a lot of CEOs, Um, you know, you know, i probably interviewed 400, 500 CEOs uh, in India or my career in business journalism. And uh, I did not meet a single person who was a Christian and uh, uh, not, not, not a single person who who was a Christian. And, uh, and I also began to kind of see that uh, the churches that I belong to or that, period of time, all, all well-intentioned, intention, all wonderful churches, would largely program me, would largely disciple me to reach the poor. And, uh, and I enjoyed doing that. And I could see the needs among the poor, you know, huge needs. Uh, India needs a thousand times more missions to the poor than what we have now. Uh, but I also began to see that uh, the church wasn't really equipped and the church um, wasn't really trying to also reach the top of the pyramid. The church was not trying to reach um, English-speaking, well-educated professionals, artists, and entrepreneurs. And I began to understand that these were uh, not more important people in God's eyes, uh, but they were more influential people in the cities. And I began to understand that the best way to mobilize resources for local missions was this people group. India is is a wealthy nation. It's it's not uh, all a poor nation. And uh, and so, as I began to engage with a lot of these uh, well-educated, globally-traveled, postmodern uh, professionals, artists, entrepreneurs, uh, I began to really develop a burden to kind of, hey, how do we reach these people? And and this was kind of a 15, 20-year journey that I'm kind of cutting it short. And uh, so, by the time I wrote this column, I was really wrestling with this, thing, you know. Uh, and, and I would kind of do all the personal evangelism that that I could, uh, but I also found that uh, the churches um, that I I was part of and uh, serving in weren't really focused or uh, uh, weren't uh, weren't intentionally aiming to contextualize the gospel to these people, and and um, and so I began to feel uh, I don't actually understand the need for planting churches among these people unless until I came, went to a. City to City Conference in in New York, that was 2009, if I remember right, 2008, 2009. And uh, and that's when I I kind of realized that, hey, God was really, since God was really laying on my heart a burden to reach these people, one of the best ways to do that would would actually be to plant churches among them. And that's the first time I began thinking about church planting, Uh, about 10, 11 years ago. And uh, that was the journey. That's how the journey began.
0: So you told me uh, one time that uh, you were on a plane reading yeah. a couple of articles, and, and, and your true. wife actually humorously said you came back with all these ideas, but she hadn't yeah, read the true. articles yet, right? And so you, had, you were exploding with all these ideas. Uh um, but you were a little bit out uh, in front of her uh, because you, know, you, you these things were all new to you and you had gra- gra- uh, grabbed onto them. She wasn't sure she That's was on, along for the ride at that point. Yeah, yeah talk a little bit about that too because you, you mentioned going to New York and getting some training yeah. there and yeah. see, catching a vision for Mumbai in that regard. Yeah, yeah. So, so the trip to New York was to attend a conference that Redeemer
1: had put together. Um, uh, it was called Global Cities Initiative and they basically invited leaders from 100 global cities in the world. And uh, I was on the flight to New York and uh, there were three pre-reads uh, for the conference. One of it was, uh, this is all written by Tim Keller. One of us was on the centrality of the gospel. And that kind of changed my paradigm. Um, uh, India is a, is a very legalistic kind of a, a society. Uh, that's, that's how the Hindu religion works. And I, I began to understand that, hey, the, you know, the gospel is, is uh, that while I believe in the gospel, I, I haven't really kind of, Uh, understood it, or I kind of walked walked, uh, away from the core truth of the gospel, that it it is not just the ABC of Christian faith, it is the A to Z of Christian faith. And so that 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 was kind of life-changing. The second article was Why the City? And uh, at that point in time, I'd been working as a business journalist for 15, 16 years, and uh, I understood cities. Uh, I understood uh, why uh, cities were an economic phenomenon. I understood the birth of cities as an economic phenomenon. You know, that's where the jobs were, that's where the economic activities were. So I had seen cities only as an economic phenomenon, as a business journalist. Uh, but then Tim, Tim's article, he kind of argued that cities were a spiritual phenomenon. He, in that article he argued that cities is something that God was engineering because he was bringing people from every tongue, every tribe, every land into the cities, into the global cities. And God was engineering that uh, to make our mission, his mission, through us easier, that, that he was kind of bringing people in so that if we reach the city, we could reach potentially people from every tongue, every tribe, everywhere. And in a sense, that's when penny, the penny dropped. You know, I loved cities. Uh, I, I, I really believe I was born for a city, you know. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and so, so I, I began to see cities from a completely different perspective. And, and the third article was why plant churches, and again that article argued that the best way to reach a people was was to plant churches. And uh, in a sense, this was God calling me to church planting ministry. And uh, and that's when the penny dropped, and and I came back from the conference, and uh, you remember that conversation we had, and I told my wife, "Honey, we don't know the gospel, uh, you know, <laughs> and we've got to plant churches." Yeah. Uh, so so it's been a it's been a Wonderful journey. If anything, I've just grown to love the big cities of the world. Uh, And
0: uh, yeah, so. And and I had, yeah, I've had the pleasure of traveling to India and flew into Delhi and went north. I've not been to Mumbai. Um, What is it about Mumbai that makes it um, one of those 100 cities and so critical not only to the global economy, but also to the church's mission uh, in India. Tell me a little bit about the city and that I'd love to get to you at some point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think every city has a, has a unique um, flavor to it, a unique character. Um, Mumbai, I, w- I would say a couple of things. Uh, Mumbai is, is like, is the financial capital of India. The, the largest stock exchanges are based here. Um, pretty much every single large bis- big business group, uh, is, is based and is headquartered in, 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 Mumbai. So, so there's a lot of business. Uh, it is also in, the, including uh, India,
0: Procter and Gamble, right? There's a PNG. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah the India, India operations are headquartered in, uh, uh Mumbai. That's correct.
0: Just trying to make Indiana. the connections here. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. I know. I know. The global head, Headquarters is in Cincinnati, uh, and in India it's in Mumbai. That's correct. And, uh, um, and so it's also the entertainment capital. Bollywood, all the movies, I mean, the Hindi films, I'm sure everybody's seen them at least a little bit, uh, are here. And I think the third thing about Mumbai, it's a, it's a city which kind of treats everyone equally. It, it's a city where uh, the poorest person has, has a, a, a fair shot uh, and it, it kind of—it's it, not a snobbish city. It kind of treats people equally, you know. It, it, and and it's a—it's a, it's a no nonsense. Um, uh, we're doing life together. Uh, let's 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 get on with it. Kind of uh, kind of an attitude. Uh, I I didn't I wasn't born and raised in Mumbai. I moved to Mumbai about uh, fifteen years ago, and uh, I moved because my career brought me to mumbai and that you know that's a place to be and i i love the business vibe uh, of mumbai uh, but more than that i think it is all of these so in a sense the mix of business uh, it's a global city uh a very strong global influence um, um and and entertainment artists uh the combination of that you know i've just mabak and i've really grown to uh, love the city
0: it's, uh, I've heard it described in, in to, to, to Americanize the terms as if we had uh, it, it, like Manhattan and Los Angeles sort of smashed together. Together. Financial capital and entertainment capital uh, all together. So 2009, you, you go to this conference in New York, you come back and tell your wife, we don't understand the gospel and uh, we might need to plant a church here. When does New City Mumbai actually begin uh, and then it's yeah. through the process of, cause you've gone, you were working part-time for a while and then now full-time. Yes. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, um, when we came back, uh, it, it took
1: us, we, we kind of talked about it a lot. Um, and we began kind of, um, developing small groups in the workplace context. That was the first step we kind of took towards a before church planting. And, um, then about seven years ago, we, uh, we kind of launched, um, I wouldn't call it a worship service, but we kind of launched some kind of a gathering. I mean, uh, to, to be absolutely honest, uh, I, I, I wasn't sure what I was doing. But I, I, just, I just had a notion that, hey, we have to take the church to people people who did not know Jesus. And, um, that's that's
0: a yeah. familiar church planner uh, thing. I, I did not know what I was doing. That's a uh, yeah. That sounds yes. awful familiar to me. <laughs> but the instinct, you know, uh, we got to take the church to people. That's that's wonderful.
1: Yes. Yeah. So so the instinct was, the church is for mission. Uh, you know, we we're planting churches to reach people. You know, and 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 uh, we keep seeing this in New City Mumbai. The church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of its future members. Uh, and and that, that's, that's a value that, that we really carry. And uh, so I kind of, I, I kind of have this very strong notion that hey, we have to, take, especially if you're living in a culture where less than two percent of 23 million people in the city were Christians, um, uh, you, you know, mission is, is is really there in front. You can't you can't not be mission. And so I have the sense that we have to do, we have to take church to the people. And and so we kind of figure that. Hey, we're gonna do some kind of a gathering uh, on on Friday evenings. The idea being that uh, in, in Mumbai is a big city, and people like commute like one one and a half hours each way, morning and evening, to work. That's just how the city works. And um, so we were trying to see, you know, all of us who kind of and people would spend more time at, at their respective workplaces than at home. Uh, you know, work long work hours, long commute times. And so we kind of figured that we had to reach people in the workplace, you know. Uh, you know maybe that was a better strategy than trying to reach people in the neighborhood because uh, on, on Sundays, people just wanted to rest and spend time with the family. I mean, uh, not, people who are not Christians were, were not really keen on checking out church on, on Sunday or, or connecting uh, with, with Christians on, on Sunday. And so we said, we'll launch something on Friday evenings uh, and so we'll take the chance. So we, we kind of began these gatherings in the in the central business district in Mumbai, uh, pretty close to the stock stock market, stock exchange, the Mumbai stock exchange. And um, and the idea was, uh, we, we, I was working full time at that point in time, and we had a bunch of people who were all working in that vicinity, that uh, we would, at the end of work on Friday, we would, invite, hey, do, do you want to kind of uh, 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 check out church and you want to have a, you know, Conversation about Jesus, and you, is that something that you'd be willing to explore? Would you like to come join us and see what we do? And uh, so that was the idea. So we kind of had that pre-gathering phase for about a couple of years, and uh, we found that we were attracting a lot of people, but we were not able to kind of connect with their families. And so, uh, and, and I, you know, and and um, so it was uh, again to be honest, it was um, uh, pretty hard to say. Yeah, our strategy was partly right, but it was partly wrong. So we had to adapt. And, and, and so, uh, you know, in, in hindsight, I can see uh, how God was weaving it all beautifully. At that point in time, I thought I had a great strategy. I had it all figured out. That's, that's, that's the illusion I was under. Uh, and uh, but we learned along the way. And so what, five years ago, we, we launched Sunday worship. And so New City is uh, focused on reaching English-speaking well-educated professionals, artists, and entrepreneurs, and discipling them to serve the poor. And so without discipling them to serve the poor, the, the vision of the church is incomplete. And, and that's where our partnership with Aruna Project in Cincinnati is so important. It's core to who we are as a church. And, uh, and that's really the model. Uh, we are kind of trying to do missions in India very differently from how it's been done for the last 60 years. Traditionally, missions in India has been bottom up. You reach the poor and kind of try and work your way up. When we were trying to do missions top down: reach the influential, reach the educated, uh, reach the affluent, and then disciple them to serve the poor. Uh, that's a pretty recent, pretty pretty unique. Very few churches are trying to do that. Um, but uh, I do feel there's uh, there's a need for that approach in Mumbai. So that's that's the story of New City uh, in in Mumbai, and it's.
0: We've had a, a few of our people um, from New City here in Cincinnati visit you all and been to worship services on Sunday morning. I think Caleb and Jacqueline Kingsley have been there to worship with you all, as well as uh, Jess Bennett and yes. his, his son, uh, Jess Jr., uh, were there just a couple of months ago, I believe. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, so we enjoyed, we having been. enjoyed uh, hearing reports of uh, what God's been doing in your midst. I, I know that your ministry is also... Beyond even what you're doing with your local parish church there in yeah. Mumbai, because of your um, your leadership uh, with Redeemer City to City in India, and then also the the books and the writing yes. ministry that kind of thing, just just for in a you know minute or two here, can you tell us what 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 is your sense of your call and, and what you guys are doing sort of beyond your own local church?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, I
0: think I, I feel a deep
1: sense of call. Uh, the global cities and uh, uh, cities in India, and I, I would think a lot of Asian cities as well, are kind of uh, crying out for a new stock of church planters, and and the kind of people uh, that I was talking about, the the, the mission group that we we, we are mission uh, we are trying to reach. Uh, I think there's a need for a new stock of church planters, and and as I kind of received training from Silver City. Uh, beginning from 2008-2009 at that conference, um, I, I kind of began to uh, also just grow in my understanding of the needs. Um, uh, how, how do we contextualize gospel to, to, um, to cities in the Asian context? There are a lot of similarities. And uh, over time, I kind of grew into being one of the trainers for Silvio City. And uh, so right now, uh, I help Silvio City uh, in India and Silvio City Asia-Pacific. Uh, with training church planters and pastors. Uh, In India, we just finished a cohort of about 100 pastors. Um, You know, we kind of, I was one of the trainers who kind of helped uh, take them to uh, what City calls the church planting intensive uh, over over two years. Um, And uh, and in Asia Pacific, uh, I also kind of uh, uh, helped train uh, church planters at the Asia Pacific uh, intensive. So I was there in uh, Bangkok. Uh, just a couple of months ago, I had to come back and self-quarantine for 14 days. <laughs> That's when the virus really hit India. Uh, so I was there uh, 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 delivering a few modules. Uh, I've also kind of developed using the city city uh, a DNA. I've developed a few modules which are kind of um, a lot more contextualized to the to the Indian context. And so, so training um, uh, not just church planters but also pastors. Uh, I think that's something that God's kind of helped me grow in over, over the years, and uh, the book um, uh, is 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 uh, I, I would, um, uh, I, it, it. You know, I, I keep uh, telling people jokingly, it was extremely easy for me to write the book uh, because it, it just took me a few months because I have been uh, working as a business journalist for for 25 years. But what I hadn't bargained for was was what it takes to actually get the book out, you know, in terms of promoting it and, and all of that. So, so that's just a quick aside. Uh, but the book is the goal. I mean, the reason um, I wrote that book and, and the reason I'd like to write more books is to really, um, help give, the church. Give us, the title, again,
0: uh, Nant, give yeah. us the title again. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, the, the book is called the grace of God and the flaws of men. Um, uh, the book is uh, basically an exposition of all the failures of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, And I basically look at all their failures to show uh, how it is, how the grace of God uh, not just forgives us, but also transforms us. Um, when sin reigns darkest, grace shines brightest. That, that's, that really is, is the premise of, of, of the book. and. Dr. Ravi Zacharias was very gracious to write a foreword to it, and uh, uh, Tim Keller was very gracious to write a, a back cover endorsement of, of the book. And, he, and I met I met him in Kale, and he, he told me he enjoyed reading the manuscript, and that was that was uh, that was uh, great, great to hear that from him in person. So, uh, so the, the whole idea of writing these books uh, is, I think, to help the larger church. Um, in a we grow in the understanding of the gospel. Uh, I, I, I say this very carefully. I say this very humbly. Uh, I, I say this non-presumptuously. Uh, um, uh, but Indian, India as a culture, we have this remarkable ability to take a new believer and turn him into a Pharisee in seven days flat. <laughs> you know, because, because culturally, religiously, economically, we are a very performance-driven culture. Uh, Hinduism as a religion is, is, absolutely, is completely about salvation by works. Economically, where we are, you're only as good as the last story you wrote. If you're a journalist, if you're a pastor, you're only as good as the last sermon you preached. If you're in sales, you're only as good as the last quarter uh, sales. If you're in advertising, you're only as good as the last campaign you, you rolled out. And so, this is constant pressure, especially in a city like Mumbai, to keep proving yourself again and again and again. And so it's a salvation by works, even economically. And, uh, and so, so that kind of becomes the default mode to, to deconstruct that and, 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 and to just see how refreshing grace is where uh, we don't prove ourselves with the Son of God through that. We don't, we don't earn God's love by our good performance, uh, but we earn God's love by believing in his perfect performance on our behalf. That's refreshing. That's kind of very counterintuitive in, in, in the Mumbai uh, uh, context. And so, uh, so Christians, and when I say Christians, I'm doing myself into it. It's, it's a daily challenge living in this culture. I have to remind myself that my ministry does not justify me or my book does not justify me. Uh, it, it, is, it is the work of Christ on my behalf. And so, and so the idea of writing these books is, is to really help people uh, keep remembering the gospel, and and kind of not um, slip into uh, a, a legalistic style of functioning, which which I'm vulnerable to living in a culture like this, and which uh, which I all of us are. I'm, I, I guess that's true of all cultures to some degree or the other. It's just that in, in, in Mumbai, it's perhaps a little more pronounced uh, because of the religious context, because of the economic context, and the way they're all kind of coming together. It's, it's a very high pressure. It, it, the culture disciples you... Into a salvation by works mindset.
0: Yeah, yeah that's great. And when what you're describing is not unfamiliar uh, to our, our context as well. Although I, I think, as you say, it's it's probably right to, to some extent to see it as heightened um, where you are. And but to hear you, and I've read the book and uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, first of all, I love those stories. Um, you know the the you know um, the the especially the Joseph narrative has always, um, you know, spoken to me those latter chapters of the book of Genesis, uh, and been some of the most fun to preach as well as preach to my own heart, my own life. Um, but, uh, but I love being able to read that, uh, through your eyes, to read those stories through your eyes. Um, it was, was really helpful and, and fun. Thank you. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, uh, how things changed for you as a ministry under quarantine and, uh, you know, what does that look like in a city of 23 million, but 23 million people uh, disconnected from one another, at least from your normal patterns? What does it look like to do ministry now? Hey, it's, been a,
1: it's, been a, it's been a very interesting uh, journey. I mean, uh, it hasn't quite panned out as I thought. You know, when we, we saw this crisis coming, uh, I thought, was, you know, I was pretty uh, confused. I was scared as a pastor, uh, to be absolutely honest, uh, because we couldn't meet I mean, I heard someone, I don't remember, say this. In a game of chess, uh, imagine playing a game of chess without the queen. Right? It's like, how do you play the game without the queen? It's To, to have church without being able to gather to, together on Sunday, it's like playing chess without, without the queen. And so I, I don't know how to do it. I, I never know <laughs> how to do, do that. And so it was quite, quite uh, uh, disorienting. But actually, when we look back over the last 40 days, so one of the things we decided very early on is we, we felt we really had to humble ourselves before God. And we decided as a church, we would all gather together on Zoom uh, for 30 minutes every morning and 30 minutes every evening. So uh, gathering together on Zoom for 30 minutes every morning was to just come under God's word, to, uh, to seek his face through his word. And so we would read one chapter of the Bible together, meditate to it, through it, pray through it. And we've been doing it for, uh, I think, uh, we started that before the lockdown began. So I think we've been doing it for almost 45, 50 days now. And then we would gather again on Zoom for 30 minutes uh, to pray. We prayed for each other. We prayed for the church. We prayed for the city, for the country, for the world. And uh, that's kind of been going on. And so right now we have two calls in the morning, 7.30 a.m. and 8.30 a.m. Because uh, if you have... 30, 40 people on a call discussing a chapter, you know, it just becomes too big. So we've had to split. So people, people are enjoying it. And so I've actually looking back, I think spiritual formation is the best it's been, uh, ever since the journey of new city. We have never prayed together every day, morning and evening, uh, for any length of time in our entire history. And, uh, and, uh, Uh, Just people coming together to see God through his word and see God in prayer every single day. Uh, That's been beautiful. And personally, that's discipled me as a pastor, Uh, you know, and uh, um, um, I I kind of got sovereign and we took this decision very prayerfully, but I resigned from my job at the newspaper one week before the crisis hit India and, uh, you know, and transitioned into full time, so you know, from worldly sense, I couldn't have picked a picked a worse time, but put God as got sovereign. So these calls kind of disciple me. It helped. Uh, it helped minister to the anxieties, fears, struggles, doubts, questions that my soul was having. And so just being able to pray together with the congregation, uh, reflect on God's word together, morning and evening. So so we kind of developed a nice rhythm. And in, in the lockdown, one of the challenges we're all facing is our rhythms are gone. The rhythms we used to. Uh, over the last, yeah, our entire lives, no longer exists. Uh, uh, and the work routine is gone, traveling to work is gone. You know, it's kind of uh, uh, all, 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 all new. And so this kind of created, a new, it helped, helped ground my soul personally in Christ. And uh, it helped me preach the gospel to myself. The community preached the gospel to me. It, it still preaches the gospel to me twice a day and as I preach it to them. And so, so that's been a huge blessing. That's not: uh, sec- Yeah, the, sec- the challenge that we and we've really been wrestling with this, and we continue to do so, is how do we continue to remain on mission? If you can't meet people, if you can't catch up for a cup of coffee together, if you can't have people home for dinner, if you can't go to their house for dinner, how do we do mission? Uh, we don't have the answers, but but we are uh, definitely applying ourselves to, to trying to find the answers. We've tried a few interesting things, um, but they're all still a work in progress. Uh, but that's important to us. Staying on mission is extremely important to us. Yeah,
0: that's wonderful. Those are those are great things, and um, it is amazing how when one thing gets taken away. Uh, well, I mean, you know, the church historically has had to be creative, right? Throughout. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. isn't the first pandemic. We keep using yeah. terms of unprecedented here in the United States, yes. but it's not exactly when we read church history, unprecedented, is it? Um, that is true. Certainly, consider the global. Church, but the, the innovation that happens uh, under necessity um, is really wonderful. And some things I imagine will go back to quote unquote normal uh, at some point for you, but there'll probably be some things that you want to retain yeah. uh, from this period that you never would have tried. Absolutely. Beforehand. Um, Absolutely, yes. Two questions. How can we be praying for you uh, over the next few weeks? And then secondly, if somebody's listening to this and they wanted to, you, you've just transitioned into full-time work and we know you're raising support in order to, to, to make that happen. Um, if somebody's listening to our show and wants to financially support your work, where could they go to do that online, you know, to, to do that? So maybe prayer and then f- financially, how could we be involved? Sure, sure.
1: In a sense, the two are related. Um, uh, prayer would definitely... Um, for us to make this transition well. And uh, we, we're clear that uh, we're um, convinced that God's kind of called us to uh, plant churches, train church planters, uh, write books, develop video uh, Bible studies, which I've been doing quite a bit uh, of that. Um, so so in, in that would be one prayer request that God would help me um, transition well into what he's calling me to. Uh, the second prayer request would uh, would be uh, my wife has, uh, uh, as, as talking earlier, we we have a significant amount of work with trafficked women, and uh, and that's that's a that's a defining part of who we are as a church. We, yes, we're reaching well-educated affluent professionals, but we're also kind of discipling them to serve the poor. And our work among these women, I mean, it is um, their conditions are are really bad, and it needs prayer. So we really appreciate praying for my wife's ministry in, in serving traffic. She's personally counseled about 150 to 200 girls aged 11 to 18, uh, some of whom have um, have uh, had 10 customers in a night and being forced to forced into it. None of it is voluntary. It's, it's all kind of forced. 12-year-olds uh, rescued after two years in, in, in the brothel. And and so some of that has actually affected her in terms of secondary trauma. So, so that's one big issue of uh, prayer. And the third, of course, is for us to really keep engaging on how do we be missional at this time as a church uh, in, in a city which is less than 2% Christian. So we want to kind of grow in that. So those are three uh, prayer requests from a transition for my wife's, work, wife's and our work among traffic women and continuing to remain missional uh, in a city, hugely important global city of 22 million people. Uh, thank you for asking the question about financial support. Yes, we are raising support. Uh, we are part uh, of uh, a North American missions agency called Avant Ministries. Uh, Avant is, uh, has been around since 1892. Uh, they now have 500 North American missionaries serving in over 50 countries. So we are members. We are international members of Avant. Uh, so if you log in, anyone would like to support us, partner with us in, in, the, in our ministry in Mumbai, you just need to log into to uh, avantministries.org. And, uh, and it's, it's, you, you can make your gift or, or set up uh, uh, a gift schedule uh, online. Can you, know, you, can you spell Avant for us? Yeah. It's A-B-A-N-T, A-V-A-N-T, Avant.
0: A-V-A-N-T, AvantMinistries.org. Yeah. Is that right? That's
1: correct. That's correct. It used to be called a Gospel Missionary Union. Got it. It used to be known as, uh, it was based in Kansas City.
0: And do we do a search for your name or do we do a search
1: for New City Mumbai? Yeah, you can just go into give and then you'd have to search my name. And uh, when you click on give, it'll ask for missionary name. Um, they just need to enter my name and then uh, you can uh, make your gift. It's, it's a pretty simple process. It just takes a couple of minutes uh, to, to uh, make a gift or set up a support should do. Yes.
0: Uh, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. Um, it's really heartening to hear um, what God's doing in and through you all. And we will be praying for you um, as you all hopefully emerge from quarantine. And uh, obviously, you're concerned with the spiritual needs of your city, but you also uh, have a keen mind uh, toward the economic impact, given your background as a financial journalist. And so, you know, there are going to be... Uh, all kinds of implications there as well um if there were needs obviously before there's going to be uh you know uh multiple uh needs sort of in, in 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 multiples after this um so we'll continue to pray for you thank you for uh connecting with us today and uh yeah we love uh love the chance to connect with uh, another church called new city in another part of the world thank you
1: i enjoyed the conversation thank you for having me on, on the podcast we really appreciate that thank you
0: how to do it. Yeah. All right. Well, make sure and tune in uh, for our daily podcasts uh, of Marginalia, which are daily devotional podcasts Monday through Friday. And we'll be back again next weekend with another weekend uh, edition. So long, everybody.